0: You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for This Justin, the latest in healthcare innovation and technology
1: trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes.
0: Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the debut show of This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, innovation, public policy, and strategy. Today, we're going to focus on the 2014 midterm elections and what the results mean for America with regards to healthcare. While today we'll be focused on health care and public policy, my upcoming shows will be focused on innovation and entrepreneurialism in America, and in the following show We'll be focused on healthcare interoperability in 2015, what our country can look forward to. I'll have pioneers from both of those domains join me in the studio. But before we get to those topics, I'm very excited for today's show as my debut guest is a great friend, industry colleague, and true healthcare pioneer. She has led numerous strategic initiatives for IBM, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT at HHS, the eHealth Initiative, as well as the National Committee quality assurance. Today, Janet Marchabrota serves as the Director of the Health Innovation Initiative and the Executive Director of the CEO Council on Health and Innovation at the Bipartisan Policy Center, the BPC. The BPC initiative conducts research and collaborates with experts and stakeholders across every sector of healthcare to develop recommendations that promote innovation and the use of IT to support improvements in the cost, quality, and patient experience of care. Thank you, Janet, and welcome.
1: Hello, Justin. It's great to be with you this afternoon.
0: Thank you, thank you, um, and just great to uh, you know again be with you and uh, and certainly um, I'm dying to hear the latest in the BPC and, and what's going on. I assume that you're in DC right now.
1: I am, and winter has finally come. We've had such good weather. Oh, even up through November, but I think, sadly, uh, we'll see some, some snow and cold weather here coming up soon.
0: Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I think it, all the way until about three or four days ago, it's been beautiful down here in Atlanta, uh, And um, I, but, uh, you know, the last uh, 24 hours, it's changed dramatically. Last night got below freezing, I think, for the next, almost for the next week, we're going to see temperatures hover around freezing, I even saw next week we're getting to the to the low 20s, maybe even to 19 degrees. So we're certainly batting down the hatches here in the southeast. Before we dive into the elections, I really would love to hear, you know, I did a lot of work with the BPC. I'm a a very big advocate, not only of yours, but certainly of what the Bipartisan Policy Center does in D.C., uh, the support that you guys give us, actually, in the healthcare industry and across multiple sectors of our economy. So I'd love to get an update on, on what you guys are are looking at uh, right now and certainly for 2015. So any thoughts there, anything you want to share with us?
1: Yes, well, you know, the Bipartisan Policy Center, uh, we're based here in Washington, D.C. Justin, it, it's a non, as you well know, it's a nonprofit organization. We were actually founded in two, 2007 by former Senate Majority Leaders, Howard Baker, Tom Daschle, Bob Dole, and George Mitchell. And what's really great about this place is, is we drive agreement. We try to find common ground uh, on develop really practical, principled solutions uh, based on rigorous analysis, reasoned negotiation, and you know respectful dialogue around the different issues. And we cover a range of issues: economic policy, energy. Uh, immigration and, of course, health care. Um, and I, as you mentioned earlier, I lead the health innovation effort at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Uh, we're just delighted to be on your your show today and uh, are, are focusing on a lot of issues and hope to see a lot of change here in the coming months and years around transformation in healthcare.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we've seen a lot of the last uh, several years, and I, I know that we can expect a lot more. So from the standpoint of um, focusing, because, you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years looking at care delivery reform, certainly SGR reform, interoperability. What are some of the focuses you see for 2015 specifically that you'll, uh, you'll work on personally?
1: Well, um, you had mentioned earlier uh, my role with the CEO Council on Health and Innovation. Justin, we're really focused on two primary areas um, in the past few months, and and we'll be continuing to do so in the coming year. And the first is a group of um, chairmen and CEOs of some of the nation's largest employers, Um, one local in Atlanta, the Coca-Cola Company, um, Bank of America, uh, Verizon, and others who are coming together. Um, to drive action in the private sector around improving the health and wellness of individuals, improving the health of communities, and improving the health care system. So that's taking a lot of our time here at the BPC. And then the other issue um, that we're really excited about is exploring the role of information technology in improving health and health care. Um, both, you know, within the healthcare delivery system, but also in helping consumers uh, navigate their health and healthcare, and there are a number of issues that we think will get some policy attention over the coming months, um, particularly in the information technology arena. So, we look forward to, to having that conversation with you today.
0: Excellent. Uh, terrific. Um, so. Yeah, we can go ahead and, you know, dive right in. What I'm going to do is is cover some of the key congressional committee changes in the House and the Senate. As we know, certainly the entire, you know, both chambers are very important to the work that we do in Capitol Hill. Uh, but specifically, there are a few committees in both chambers that we really focus on, uh, and uh, I think people can pay attention to. And, and many people know this, but uh, just for the sake of our audience, our broad audience, um, on the House side, uh, you know, energy... Um, the uh, Energy and Commerce Committee uh, is a very powerful uh, committee when it comes to health care and health policy. Uh, so I think we're expecting Fred Upton to stay on as E C chairman uh, into the next Congress, which I think, you know, for, for the um, direction that a lot of the policy has gone is a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously we have uh, Henry Waxman retiring at the end of his term, so we're going to see some changes there. I know Frank Pallone from New Jersey uh, and Ana S. U. Uh, from California are both top runners taking over potentially the, uh, the ranking member seat. But they're going to they're gonna both seek it. So we'll certainly see how that uh, shapes up. Uh, and then also the next committee uh, that's very important is Ways and Means. Um, Dave Camp has been the chairman for a long time, uh, and he's also retiring. So I know that we're going to see, uh, I think, next week uh, it will actually be the election. But uh, Paul Rahim is gonna, certainly going to seek that seat. Um, and Kevin Brady, Paul Ryan from Wisconsin. I think we all know Paul because he ran as vice president uh, with Mitt Romney. Um, but, uh, but Kevin Brady, also from Texas, is going to seek uh, that seat. So we're going to certainly see um, how that shakes out. Uh, I know they both, uh, are, both want it today. Um, do we expect uh, Sandler, Sandler Levin, uh, Missouri, to um, I mean from Michigan, uh, to retain as a ranking member uh, position? So any thoughts there, Janet, um, specifically on those two bodies or even any other bodies in the House?
1: You know, Justin, I think both of your sets of predictions sound pretty right to us. Uh,
0: We would probably agree with some of your thoughts here on the House side. Excellent. So now over in the Senate, uh, really, again, two main uh, committees. Again, many are involved in a lot of the health care work that we do. But in the Senate Finance Committee, um, Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah will take over. We expect to take over as Senate uh, Finance uh, Committee's top spot. Uh, and Ron Wyden from Oregon to stay on as the ranking member for Democrats. And I know that you've done personally a lot of work with Ron, uh, Senator Wyden, through through the years. So I think that's probably a, a good thing for healthcare and, and innovation. What do you think?
1: Yes, um, on both fronts. Senator Wyden joined us. It was a terrific event last June around the role of big data, big data, mm-hmm. data analytics, and improving health and healthcare. And we were um, pleased to testify with Senator Hatch on hearings related to health IT. Lots of good work and and discussion going on, both within Senate Finance and Senate Health, around changes needed to improve health and health care through the use of technology.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And so, so bringing up the health committee, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, uh, I think that you're going to see uh, Lamar Alexander from Tennessee take over the gavel at uh, top of the health committee. Um, and I don't think we're quite sure on the Democratic side who's going to um, replace Tom Harkin. Obviously, Tom's retiring um, from Iowa, uh, and uh, we're not quite sure. I know there's a few people, uh, potentially Bernie Sanders from Vermont or uh, Robert Casey from Pennsylvania, as potential uh, replacements there um, as the ranking member. So we'll see. And uh, Senator uh, Patty Murray may choose to take up the health cavil as well, though she could stay as ranking member on the budget committee. So I think some changes uh, are certainly in, in flow here, and, and we're going to see how they'll shape up over the uh, coming uh, weeks uh, in months. Um, so those are the major changes relating to health policy that we can expect in the coming weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that, Janet, before we dive into some of your questions?
1: I would also say, you know, we're hearing it, it's viewed that likely Patty Murray The Democrat from the state of Washington would likely succeed uh, Tom Harkin as ranking member. Though, as you mentioned, you know, it's not yet official. I think she's still mulling over whether to stay at budget. If she moves, uh, we think Debbie Stabenow uh, would be the most likely uh, ranking member on budget.
0: Yeah, and Debbie's been, she's been great for us through the years on on health policy, at least very supportive in her team, so that could be another good um, boon for us in the industry. So now, Jeanette, looking into your crystal ball, and with all your extensive experience on Capitol Hill, and ask you a few questions, start off maybe probably on meaningful use, because that seems to be where a lot of health systems and hospitals have made a lot of comments, and certainly a lot of the... the vendors and, tech and the innovative players out there spent a lot of time over the last five to six years. So starting off, what changes you know might we expect in the Meaningful Use program with the new Congress? I mean, and to that effect, do you think Congress may inquire more deeply uh, just based on some of the feedback that they're hearing uh, on the Hill and out in the field, kind of from the hospitals? What are your thoughts on Meaningful Use?
1: Ah, uh, Meaningful
0: Use. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: So, you know, you know we've spent well over $25 billion dollars in Medicare and Medicaid incentives around the meaningful use of, of health information technology and in health care and there has been, as you well know, Justin, a lot of bipartisan support for the role of health IT in improving health and health care. And and I would agree with you, there's quite a lot of activity in the press and the and the blogosphere about meaningful use. You know, there are two there are two sides of this issue. On the one hand, you know, you hear a lot of folks, uh, particularly on the provider side and some on the health IT technology company side, that we need to slow down, that we really need to slow things down, and um, that this is more complicated than we thought. You know, one, one statistic is, if you look at this, and I think Chime did an analysis of this, if, if you look at all the hospitals that are, you know, positioned to go to stage two, Um, Stage 2 of Meaningful Use, uh, only 20% of them have gone there. So something's going on there. And we've only got another month to count up, you know, how many hospitals that would be. And then it's even worse on the physician side. So of all the physicians that that should be teed up for Stage 2, only 2% have gone there. So so folks are struggling um, with achieving the the requirements right now. And they'd like us to slow down. And as you as you know, and as we're seeing, there's a lot of calls for slowing down, maybe moving to um, the 90-day rule. But on the flip side, you know, and we've done a lot of work on this here at the Bipartisan Policy Center. If you look at the capabilities, the IT capabilities that one needs for delivery system and payment reforms, you know, for transparency, you know, a lot of these improvements in the delivery of care that have support on both sides of the aisle, you really need some of the capabilities that you only get in stage two. And and those are more related to things such as interoperability, information sharing, engaging individuals in their health and health care. So it's a tough, it, it, you know, it's, it's tough. Do we slow down? Do we stay the course? Do we move faster? And I think, you know, over the... In the near term, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a lot of discussion about this. I don't know how much action we'll see,
0: but I know that
1: folks are talking about it. You know, in terms of Congress, I just, you know, what could happen here? Uh, the Senate, both Senate Finance and Senate Health Committees, had a number of stakeholder meetings this past summer, and um, I don't know if you remember this, but even last year, over a year ago, a number of senators. Uh, Republican senators issued a report, a, a reboot report on health IT that covered areas such as meaningful use and, and other areas that I know we'll talk about. So I think folks want to see change. I think folks on both sides of the aisle want to see change, but figuring out the right path forward has not been clear, to be honest. So in terms of meaningful use, you know, I think I think the feds, the administration, I think it's got the tools it needs without legislation to do some mid-course corrections and fixes. It's just not clear that they're going to do it, though.
0: Yeah, I would certainly agree. And I um, I think that, that a 90-day reporting period is just uh, getting louder out there, the calls for that. So I think that, you know, they may, you know, take up that one. That one area, but I believe you know a lot of those tools do exist already today. So yeah, I'm not sure how much Congress needs to act, like that, But I really appreciate your uh, your thoughts there. So you brought up uh, a good point. You Talk about interoperability. Do you think Congress? I mean, even when I was in the Hill late last year, even actually early this year. You know, there was still several committees, Ways and Means looked heavily into interoperability and and pushed, uh, you know, we had to really educate back on what was happening and occurring in the industry, but uh, they had a lot of questions, and and do you think those questions may come back again with this uh, 114th Congress coming in, or do you think that that topic has been at least settled for now and we're going to move on to different items and and agendas? What do you think around interoperability?
1: Justin, I, you know, absolutely yes. I think it's going to be the biggest topic, of discussion on the health IT side in addition to some other things that they're talking about. But, you know, we did see action. I I don't know if you remember this, but back in early 2014 when we saw bipartisan, bicameral, tri-committee SGR (laughs) legislation, which never made its way through, right? I mean, there there was a little section in there, you know, no one really talked about, but, but really pushed for um, a date certain by which there should be widespread exchange of of health information through interoperable certified EHR technology. So there were a number of provisions there around this date certain and some other provisions that, that required some transparency around perceived blocking of information sharing. So, so that was one component around interoperability. I think we'll see it again when these conversations, um, as these conversations are continuing and we might see something emerge. And even, um, and again, something not well known and it's not clear uh, of the impact, but even this summer, the Senate, the Senate Appropriations Committee included a report that accompanied the Labor HHS 2015 spending bill, again, that focused on interoperability and and ways to discourage information blocking. It's a big deal, you know, with every office we talk to uh, that has interest in in health IT on the Hill, both in the House and the Senate. Um, And I know the administration is is paying attention. Our national coordinator, you know, put out a 10-year vision for interoperability. So I think we'll see more there, I, and I hope we do. We certainly support that here. You know, it's critical uh, to improving health and healthcare, and, and given the, the pretty large spend on health IT, we'd love to see more interoperability and more information sharing. Um, actually, the two go hand-in-hand, hand, um, and one can't be achieved without the other, so.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and, and I know that you guys have worked, we've all worked a lot on you know, not only getting, the you know, the right policies uh, for inoperability, but also certainly around SGR reform and, and really fixing the flawed fee-for-service uh, model that's out there. Uh, and, and it is a renewed call. I believe, even I thought today, the AMA has, you know, reissued their call for, for SGR reform and, and not just to let it go through, you know, take take it up in a lame duck session if they need to. but. I know there's gonna be a lot of focus, so I'm, I'm glad we're going to see more on the interoperability side and certainly more push because we can't do much on our payment and care delivery models without interoperability and data sharing. We just we won't get the the outcomes that we need and our and our country deserves more. They're investing today uh, in that with the twenty five billion dollars plus plus you know we've invested a lot in health information exchange for the years as well, so I know our country deserves it, and as many of us, you know you and I are certainly behind it wholeheartedly so. Talking about SGR reform, uh, what do you think? I mean, I've been very bullish on this. I, I'm always hopeful. Uh, I'm optimistic that we will get it through. I, I always get reminded when I get to the Hill that, it's, you know, they're not quite as optimistic as I am. But uh, what are your thoughts on getting something through maybe uh, in 2015 or 2016 and not kicking that can past, you know, when the broader reform uh, packages or entitlement reform packages will come in 2017? What do you think for 2015 and 2016?
1: Well, given all of our focus on health and health care here at BPC, we've been watching this issue pretty closely. In terms of what it would be, what would be included, particularly as, so I talked earlier about this bipartisan, bicameral, tri-committee SGR legislation. You know, there was so much time spent there, and given the time and goodwill involved in negotiating this package, to replace SGR. I think many members would like to advance this as is. Um, But as you know, the financing has been uh, the big barrier. It's depending on whether extender, Medicare extender policies are included, it's going to require about $140 to $180 billion. And so, so, you know, how to pay for this has been the real sticking point. Some members would like to clear the decks on this issue during the lame duck. Some, I know, you know, it could be a long shot, but if it does go into the next year, it's unclear whether the pre-negotiated package I discussed would hold. Particularly, you know, as you mentioned, you know, some
0: members in the
1: House, notably Paul Ryan, if he does take the helm of ways and means, may want to reopen and broaden this uh, to, to a more comprehensive Medicare reform. So, you know, in either case, we will need to do something. Uh, an extension of the patch needs to be enacted by end of the first quarter, March 31, in order to avoid payment cuts. Um, sometimes CMS can hold claims for a couple of weeks, but but really, you know, March 31 is the deadline. So, you know, like you, we would be hopeful to see something in the lame duck. We're not sure. We're not sure that will happen, but uh, are
0: hopeful. Yep. No, uh, I agree. And actually, it's kind of um, ironic. You know, you and I get together. We always have a great conversation. We're actually running very low on time here. But I would like maybe 30 seconds on (laughs) the uh, really – the the um, software act. I know we're going to see some changes in definitions. We've already seen those definitions, but maybe in 20 to 30 seconds, can you give us any insight or thoughts on that before we close up the show?
1: Yes. So quickly, legislation being drafted as we speak in the House, we've got a number of members, you know, the sponsors of the bill, their staff coming over on Monday, actually. Um, so we're seeing that move, you know, a retooling of the software act from last year. Um, we know that... Uh, It's bipartisan, lots of bipartisan support, and then we're also seeing something occur on the Senate. Again, bipartisan support for some language. So I've got high hopes, actually, early next year that we will actually see some legislation passed on this front, and this, as you know, Justin, is something we've been working hard on for a couple of years, so we're very excited about that. Very much needed, and and, uh, knock on wood, uh, hopefully we'll see something get passed here early in, in the new
0: Congress. Excellent. Well, Janet, it was great to have you as my debut guest. Thank you so much. And maybe we'll even do the follow-up early in 2015 to see how many of our predictions have, uh, have begun to come true. Are you up for that?
1: Absolutely. This has been great. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank All
0: you. Right, thank you. And everyone, thank you very much for joining us today. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. And as always, you can track me on Twitter at HITAdvisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all of my content will be posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone, and thank you very much, Janet. Have a terrific week, everybody. Talk to you soon.